The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. Power of Yes is the title of the talk tonight. And uh, just so you know, I'm not going to, I look a lot different than I do in the pictures. And uh, it's not just because of age, but I have a disease. It's called ankylosing spondylitis. Anybody know about that? And it's an it's a inflammatory disease that causes a lot of deposits of calcium and also uh, loss of uh, strength in, in uh, joints. And so I wear braces. And so I'll be teetering up here because I, I wear rocker shoes because I got bracers. It's like ski boots. And, uh, and then also, uh, don't, don't run at me from the side because I can't see you coming because I'm fused clear from the seat, clear up to the neck. And I just say that not for sympathy, but I say that just because I'm here because of the grace of God and because of my loving wife. Do you want to stand up, Evie? <laughs> she, she, she actually is the one that literally carries everything in and out of the house and uh, helps us go on trips. And, uh, you know, she's just... Uh, a very loving, caring person. And uh, she's walked with me now for, uh, well, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. So, and that's, by the way, that's what this uh, bouquet is here. Uh, That's from our 40th wedding anniversary. And I have a little saying at the end to tell you. Uh, I said yes to God at probably the age of five or six. So that's me at the age of about six, 1949. And... uh, I said yes to God because uh, Mrs. Cameron, who signed this Bible and gave it to me in third grade, along with all the other people of Keystone Congregational Church, which is not too far from here, uh, told me about Jesus. And my journey of walking with God and and journeying with God is not an intellectual journey. I'm not an intellectual guy, as you'll soon discover um, <laughs> I, so I call it a hands-on journey. And uh, that's why I, I titled this The Power of Yes, because for me, to experience God was just to say yes at a very young age and then just go, go with God as much as I could figure out. And a lot of that happened here in this church. Um, this is me over here on the right. You can see I was a little rascal. Uh, this is about eight years old or so, and, uh, and that's when I started coming here, about eight, nine years old, at University Presbyterian Church in uh, fourth grade. And uh, we had a memory program that you had to memorize verses as much as you could, anyway. And uh, this is the Bible I got from, um, from, from University Presbyterian Church. Uh, for memorizing uh, a whole bunch of verses, including all of Romans 8, the chapter of Romans 8. Now, I could never memorize Romans 8 now, but uh, there, there it is. That's proof that I did it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the, the first verse I memorized was this one. And uh, it was th- just the part in yellow. Uh, be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And that's sort of my life verse. and just happened to be the first one I memorized. And so 
that's this hands-on idea, is doing what, what I'd heard, try, trying to make it work in my life somehow. So that's an important verse for me. Also, uh, I'm a hands-on guy. I build all kinds of things. I love to build things. And I did this from day one. Uh, here's stuff that I built from just out of my head, these little things. And there's other models up here. And uh, you can see just a myriad of models and things that I did. Uh, and that was all through the elementary school and into high school. And um, the, uh, I don't know if you remember Eric Liddell and the Chariots of Fire movie when he says, running just fills me with great pleasure. And, uh, well, I would say that about me for building. I just, I still build things. And um, the, um, I just love, do, I love building things. And uh, it's something that it, uh, it um, just gives me fulfillment. Now, I put this verse in because along with uh, building things, I was also a nerd, and I, uh, I got picked on a lot on the playground in elementary school. And when I got to junior high, I, I, I was actually bullied. And, but, I, but you see, I think they were just jealous because I was getting good grades and I was working really hard. And, and one time I had a science teacher in seventh grade. That was the first time, you know, we had separate teachers for each class. And she was just something else and just gave me a lot of distress because she could pull down a, white, a blackboard in those days and give a pop quiz, uh, you know, right on the spot. And uh, we only had one set of books for six classes. We had to borrow the book after class. I was very poor in reading, and uh, I cried out to the Lord. And I was literally just thought I was going to fail out of school. I was so distressed over this class. And, uh, and this verse just represents, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. I literally cried in my bedroom for help. And you know what? He was there. That was the first time I think I'd really just sort of just let it all out and cried. And uh, I had a peace that came very shortly. And I could then face the, the assignment or whatever was giving me a lot of stress. So that was kind of the first time God really showed up from my need. Well, I was not athletic at all. Uh, and uh, one thing I wore, you saw in that one picture when I was young, I wore glasses, and you can't see things coming at you, you know, baseballs and all that kind of stuff. So, but I, I like I say, I love building. So I built soapbox derby racers. This is 1956. I did a 55 car. I did a 56 car. Here's another 50. There's the 56 car. I'm weighing in. You can see I was becoming a teenager there with the rolled up sleeves and the the crew cut, you know, and uh, and the uh, there's the car, and then there's the race. That's right down there at Lower Woodland. Maybe you've been down there and you've seen that road that goes from 50th Street on down toward the uh, uh, soccer fields and whatnot. And that's where that race took place. And then this is my final car in 1959, and it actually came in second place in the city. I almost went to Akron, Ohio. That's I have that car still to this day. 
It's, in fact, that's hanging in my garage. And there's the inside of it. Uh, I, was, I was getting pretty big, and I squeezed into that thing. I could never get in there now. But. And these are, the, these are the trophies and whatnot. So this was my world. It was a world of building things, of uh, you know, doing this achievement. And I got a lot of self-esteem with this sport in spite of the bullying and whatnot that was going on. Um, I also uh, did well in school. And uh, I had a brother four years older, so I was always driven to try to match him at, at the age I was at, even. Then in 1964, this is our deputation team. Now, this team went to Guatemala. I'm on the left there, you can see. And uh, that's Nancy and Mary Jo and Ed uh, over from left to right. And we drove this 1954 Chevrolet to New Orleans. Uh, that's the way they did it in those days, to save money. And then we flew on Pan Am from New Orleans into uh, Guatemala. And when I got to Guatemala, and oh, by the way, uh, the deputies were announced in this room. <laughs> and I sat right about right in there. And Earl Palmer stood right up there, and he, he made two announcements. He announced all the teams, and then he said, I'm going to Manila. This is my last time here. I, we should, you know, we'll, we'll pray, and, and that's it. And that's when he went off to Manila, and he was the, the teaching. He was the Ryan Church of those days. And, uh, and then we, he went off to Manila, and then eventually he came back here as a senior pastor. So... I got to, we flew into Guatemala City and met Ralph Winter here on the right, and, and then he, he was at the airport, and Ralph says to me, he says, what, I understand you're in electrical engineering. And you see, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to lead Bible studies and scene and all this stuff, and I don't know how to do that, you know, and I don't feel very good doing that. Uh, but he said, Rod, he says, you're in electrical engineering. He says, by any chance, do you know how to run a table saw? Well, you see all those slats on that car, that soapbox derby car? Those were all cut out on, on a table saw. I'd run a table saw practically all my life. It was a kind of a crude table saw. And we just had a great time. He took me up to uh, the Mom Christian Center uh, in the kind of the um, western part of Guatemala and high in the mountains at about 5,000 feet. And... Um, I worked with these young seminary men who were learning a profession other than farming, because that was the primary thing that they'd grown up learning to do. But you can't be a pastor and, and pastor a church and do anything with you know, your time, except if you're farming, you can't do any more. So he was teaching them how to run a carpentry business, literally from the ground up, that you had to go out in the woods and choose your trees that you wanted to have cut up on the spot uh, and then uh, bring them here and dry them and, and then build things with them. So these are the young men that I was working with. I had a blast, three weeks, just 12-hour days, I, you know, using what I could do uh, for the Lord. And Ralph was just a wonderful teacher. Now, I don't know if you know Ralph Winter or not, but he established later on after returning from Guatemala, he and his family, he, he established the, the World Center for um, Mission down in Pasadena, California. So uh, 
he's quite a guy. So I had a mountaintop experience. And uh, <laughs> the, um, and I came back from that time in Guatemala and shared at Forest Home that I really wanted to do something for the Lord with my life. Now, I was, a, I was approaching my senior year in electrical engineering, so I'd spent, you know, I invested three years. I came back and gave my parents heart attacks almost when I said, I think I want to change my major and do something more with my life that would be people-oriented. Uh, well, fortunately, Ralph and Roberta wrote me and said, Rod, we think it'd be best if you'd finish your electrical engineering degree. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, uh, I finished my degree, but in the process of that, I took other classes. I was in a, a honors engineering class, uh, the first one actually in uh, EE, and um, there was eight of us. And so they allowed us to wander off the path of the normal coursework. And so I wandered into sociology. Oh, what a miserable failure that was. <laughs> and, um, and then I w- went and took uh, power engineering because I thought, well, because I had experienced down in Guatemala, they don't have power uh, that's reliable. You, they had to, Ralph had, Winter had to do his planing in the uh, noontime when everybody's taking their siesta because there wasn't enough current available to run the planer in the shop. And uh, so I, I got interested in, you know, that maybe that's some way I can help, you know, in, my, in the future with helping people. And uh, so I took this power course. Well, how God used it was he had the teacher, you know, teach me power stuff. And then the teacher was, uh, the professor had a job over at Hanford. And for that summer, it turned out that the fellow he was going to have go over as an intern copped out at the last moment. And so then he asked me. And I went over to Hanford, and I got introduced to the Hanford project and the, all the reactors and, and had a great summer over there just looking at all kinds of engineering stuff. And uh, so, so, so this is a kind of a blank spot here that I want to just tell you uh, then uh, what, what developed from that point forward. So then I came back from that summer and I thought, well, maybe I should try an MBA. That's sort of people-oriented business. You know, that could be useful. So I started an MBA program and just kept chunking away at that, See, you know, and I survived. My reading skills had to get really improved, and I, so I took a course, and I finally learned more about how you read a book. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I, I never knew that you could start at the end and read backwards and, you know, look at the high points and the pictures and all that kind of stuff and help yourself through it. Uh, and then the other thing was um, I got all the way clear to the end of the MBA program, and then got interested in computers. So along came you know, the time when I could then apply for jobs, and uh, I applied for all kinds of jobs, and just looking at them, and up pops Hanford. Well, I was familiar with Hanford, and there was a project over there that involved computers on the end reactor, and uh, so I, I got that job. So here I am as a young electrical engineer, and uh, you know, thin tie, you know, 
you know, I, my pocket protector is not in there, but uh, you know, th that's what we had at Hanford. And so along with the job came a whole experience with a church. Now, uh, Charlie Scoma uh, just ha had the same experience later on in life at this church. It was called Westside United Protestant Church. And they had an equipping program. Now, I, I was not equipped. You know, I was a pretty nerdy, shy guy. And I was, and if you would have put me up here like this now, back then, I would have, you know, hardly been able to speak and I would have, knees would have been knocking together and whatnot. And, uh, so anyway, just this training was just little things like, um, is there an extra chair here someplace? Any extra chair? I'm going to do a little training thing. There's, put, put, put it right over there by the door. Now, the reason, that's, that was part of the training. It was, the idea is that when you're in a group and you're leading a group, you need to make sure there's a chair if someone comes in late. And that way they have a spot and they feel welcome. Otherwise, they're going to be around here you know, kind of wandering. Well, we learned all kinds of things, you know, how to be up in front of a group and practice speaking. I, they even taught us how to song lead and uh, things like that, just practical things. And as a result, the where that plays into this whole story is that I was still on this search. Turned out I was laid off in three years over at Hanford because the project I was signed up for was not, was terminated. It wasn't funded anymore. And I'd had this wonderful three-year experience in this church, being equipped and just having a lot of fun, and got a sailboat and sailed on the Columbia River, you know, et cetera, things like that. And, um, and still not sure, where, where, where are we going, God? And all along, though, I, was, I kept my yes, okay? And I kept my dream that I had come back from Guatemala, that there's something for me because I, I, I got a glimpse of it in Guatemala there working with Ralph in the shop. And, uh, but I didn't know what it was. And it took about another year after leaving uh, uh, Richland. And uh, in the middle, I went around the world with a group uh, from, based in that church and other places. Uh, and we, we just looked at all kinds of Christian leadership all around the world. And, uh, you know, big names, little names, too of people, and uh, just had a great time. Went down to California, got involved in some ministry down there at Fresno Church, and out of that, one of the leaders said, you know, well, the question was asked, what is this all about? Why are we doing all this caring for people? And, well, that's what Christianity is. It's just caring for people in the name of Christ. I thought, hmm, if it's that simple... I better, I better find something that I can care for people uh, where I can really be good at it and not just sort of mediocre. It needs to fit me. And what I decided at that point was that I wanted to be working with people. I wanted to have a, quite a bit of responsibility. And I wanted uh, to honor something I'd never honored before. And that is this whole idea that I love to build things. Well, a job had come along through a buddy of mine 
Ted Twing, you may know him, I don't know. Uh, and he wanted me to teach up here at Edmonds Community College. And I said, no way, Ted. I, in fact, yeah, I said, I don't know electronics, and I've never taught. And I'm not that interested. Well, as I thought, as I thought more about the three things that I wanted, and finally he said, he got desperate, and he says, Rod, the class is going to start in three weeks. Can't, won't you at least come and interview? Because he was going to take the second year part of the program, and then I would have the first year. So I went and interviewed, and I, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, Lord, there's definitely responsibility as a teacher. You're definitely working with people. And this was a hands-on electronics technician training curriculum that we were work, that we worked on that I, and I said, well, that's all the ingredients. There's only two things missing. And like I said earlier, I've never taught and I don't really know electronics. <laughs> you know, electrical engineering doesn't really mean you know how to be an electronics technician. So anyway, uh, I interviewed, got the job, started teaching in three weeks, and it was a big adventure from there forward and had a great time. Um, just, just to show you something here, visual, I taught for 39 years. It never, it never got bad for me. This, this is a book of all the students. Every page is a, a class. So that's what, it, that's what I did in 39 years. So I definitely had a chance to be with people. And then here's one book out of about nine of curriculum that I got to, quote, engineer. <laughs> so um, all this whole thing of saying yes to God, the power is not, of course, mine. The power is from him and what he makes happen. And... And then there was other things that happened. My wife and I, oops, this thing just came off. This is, this is electrical, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, yeah, who, let's see, is there any girls sitting right back over there? Uh, yeah, there's somebody in the very back. Well, that's, that's where I met my wife, literally, in this room. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, uh, I, I came here to announce, well, while I was over in Richland, to announce uh, the conference that I was a chairman of over there uh, that we put on in Wanapum. And uh, it was a big conference. And, uh, but I came here to, an to uh, announce it, and her girlfriend sitting back there said to her, she says, Evie, you know, you need a guy like that. Well, it took me four years, you know, to realize that I, that she was the gal for me. So I'm, you know, I'm not fast, but, um, <laughs> and, and I kind of bumbled along. But anyway, we got married. Uh, we took our 40 Chev and our sailboat on our honeymoon. Had a great time. Whoops. <laughs> I ended up in the shop. <laughs> and this, um, this is uh, up here in the fifth grade boys shop. And that's something that Bob Aiken and I started back in uh, uh, the early 80s. And we're still, not, he's not doing it, but I'm doing it with uh, new uh, 
with, I've passed it on to new, new people. Uh, one of the things we, and of course that fits right into, you know, what you saw me being way back. And here's, this is a sailboat that we build, uh, as our big project for the year. It takes about half a year. And, uh, and in the, along the way, we teach them, uh, guess what? Vocational skills. Uh, sawing, sanding, measuring, you know, things like that. And then we take them down to Green Lake and tie them onto a string and sail them. And um, another thing that I love doing is HO trains. I started that in fourth grade. So this is uh, at World Markets. If you come to World Markets, you'll see my one train running there. And then in Christmas, uh, those of you that are around here in Christmas, uh, this is the last year and this next year we're going to be doing the Narnia uh, train show, you might say, combining Narnia theme with trains. And, and uh, th there's a number of us in the, in the church that like trains. And in fact, everybody enjoys seeing them. And um, I, built the, uh, I built this girder bridges last uh, fall, and I built uh, like 50 of those, uh, all from scratch, that tied up our living room for quite a, quite a while. And then I, we have a 1940 Chevrolet, like you saw in our honeymoon, and uh, that was restored back in the early, uh, the late uh, 90s, and then uh, here it is on the road down in Oregon. And that's my first car, so I'm a saver. <laughs> and uh, here we are um, enjoying our... Uh, uh, being down at the Corinthian Yacht Club, that's where our wedding reception was, and that's where we just had, and that's what I'm going to end with here, our 40th wedding anniversary. And uh, my son, Andrew, came, who's an architect and designer type guy, he came up with that uh, idea of, uh, of centerpieces for the uh, table decorations. And uh, the only challenge was drilling a three-and-a-half-inch hole six inches deep in a log, and that's a whole story I'll tell you someday. Um, and, but I got to thinking about that, and it's symbolic of my life. And um, because with this disease I have, uh, I'm a fallen tree. And you, you can see me, and compared to some of those pictures, there's no way I could do that kind of stuff today. But my statement about myself and about how God's, how yes to God allows us to still do things through his blessing. And my statement is that even a fallen tree can still bloom. Rod and his wife will be up here at the end, so if you guys have questions for them about anything, I'm sure that they would love to share stories, experiences, questions.